Popovich will send you a shout-out for a price. The former Illinois governor has joined Cameo, a Chicago-based website that allows celebrities to interact with users via video. Hey, it's Rob Blagojevich. I'm very excited to connect with you on Cameo. If you want a birthday greeting, an anniversary greeting, motivation, or any other kind of shout-out, I can't wait to hear from you. For $100, the newly freed Blagojevich will send you a personalized greeting. This is his first public effort to make money since being released from prison last week. Blagojevich served nearly eight years behind bars for federal corruption charges before President Trump commuted his sentence. Because he was Mm. on Celebrity Apprentice. Boy, Um, just $100. Hmm. <laughs> what what is what is with the society we got going now? So corrupt governors, you can have them do a birthday wish to your wife for hundred dollars. Science has discovered for the first time ever a human with zero dignity. <laughs> Cameo's a wild place, man. My my favorite kind of viral moment that came from that was a, a girl paid Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray to break up with her boyfriend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It, it started out with and then it just ended up with McGrath giving him a, a pay. Hey, man, this could end up being good. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, a rock star. Okay. Rob Blagojevich calling my wife to wish her happy birthday. That's just, that's hilarious. That is funny. Oh, speaking of celebrities, I love this headline. Country fans confused by Yeah, Garth I got this Bro- whole story, oh, which, sorry, is, which speaks apologies. to the whole, well, we'll talk about it during the break. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, never mind. Um, uh, Bob, I got some more coronavirus stuff that's pretty damned interesting. Uh, the Wall Street Journal's got a great FAQ, as we were mentioning earlier. It seems like it crossed the line for some people into the, okay, now I probably should pay attention to what the hell's going on here. And the Wall Street Journal's got a long, here's what happened, here's how it occurred, should you be worried. All, every article says the same thing. No, you shouldn't. You should not go out and buy masks today. You Boy, should not if be concerned. You, if you even can. Because people they're, are, they're ten times their price. Because there's a really? worldwide shortage of masks now, and most of them wouldn't do anything in the first place. Well, they might do a little. I don't know. It's worth it. I have a, a nice box of them in my garage from uh, back during the huge wildfires in my part of California. And um, from what I've heard, those are the the ones you want, the ones that are built for smoke. Oh yeah, and I'm willing to sell them for two hundred dollars <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm kind of glad I have them though. They're saying don't run out and buy masks. You know why that is, Jack? And here's where I cause a panic. Because they need them for medical professionals, and they don't want an even bigger run on them. I'm telling you, I'm glad I have a box. Most masks wouldn't do anything anyway. People buy the masks that don't uh, don't have the right qualification. There's a whatever. Barack Obama mask there in the corner. Would that help? Yeah, I'll wear a Joker mask. <laughs> run up and down the stairs. Yeah, yep, yep. So, hey, listen, I think we need adequate time for Colorful Hick Theater. Next segment. Michael touts this as being quite strong. Yeah, I think it is. I don't want to oversell it, but it is quite strong. A brief update on where we are with the Democratic race. They are voting in South Carolina tomorrow. Most polls seem to indicate that Joe Biden is going to win there. It doesn't really mean that much. He he put all his eggs in that basket He's got some friends that have been with him in government going way, way back that are just, you know, this is my good friend, so I'm going to endorse him. That's kind of helping him, and uh, it's a one-off. I mean, by any indication, it's a one-off. 
South Carolina. South is. Carolina is. Okay. And, you know, so it's kind of a nice, hey, congratulations on the runner for president. You won South Carolina. So. You, you don't think it'll be the launching pad that Joe Biden is saying that it'll be? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I, the good news is we'll only have one day of the bull dung analysis of how this has revitalized Joe Biden, and then it'll be Super Tuesday. Yeah, you got 48 hours between yeah. South Carolina and Super Tuesday, and Bernie's leading in the vast majority of the states there. And by Tuesday night, it could be very clear that Bernie can't be stopped, certainly as the leader. Whether or not he'll get the right number, who knows? Bernard Sanders. I tell you what, to my progressive friends, and I do have them, uh, you're all excited about the coronavirus and how this is going to unmask Trump as a buffoon, um, and and the handling of it will be poor, and this will bring him down. I, I tell you what, if every iota of that comes true, and Bernie Sanders is the nominee. Trump wins in a walk. So there's that. Mm. Um, there was speculation this might happen, and it did. The Astros are getting plunked a lot in spring training. Yes. The Houston Astros, who cheated their way to a World Series, that's not even in dispute, right? You don't even have to say allegedly or... 100% may- true. It's just a fact. Yes, they pled guilty. Yeah, the the Houston Astros, who cheated their way to a World Series and, and, and ruined fans' dreams and players' careers and, and, and lost betters' money and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Well, and they cheated their way into the playoffs multiple years. They're, they're the, the, the team that cheating built. Astro players have already been hit by pitches seven times through three games. That's quite a few in spring training. I, d- I don't know the regular ratio. I'll well, have to ask my buddy, the umpire. Uh, yeah, I don't know either, but I'm guessing in spring training, you don't you don't hit a lot of people on purpose oh, or no, brush no. them back oh, or whatever. Not, never. So, yeah. Absolutely never. Exactly. That's a good point. Now, you might have some wild-thrown youngsters uh, you know, auditioning to make the team. But I'll have to nail that down. Seven times in three days sounds high to me. You plunk an Astro, you're making the roster. That's my rule. <laughs> Bunch of Astro plunkers. Uh, you know, this is interesting, uh, Blake, alertly. People continuing to dig into the historical record of the cheating, cheating Astros run. And uh, apparently the Astros did not swing and miss at a single off-speed pitch from Clayton Kershaw, who's one of the great pitchers in the last generation. I mean, top five, right? Easily. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a super-duper star. And has been seeing a psychologist, I'm guessing, every day since he got shelled in the World Series. Right. He throws bullets, he changes speeds, he's an incredibly effective pitcher. They did not swing and miss at a single off-speed pitch. In Game 5 of the World Series. And he's been doubting himself. You know he has been doubting himself about that. And, he got and, lit up. And not joking. I'm sure seeing a sports psychologist to try to get over this. Yeah. And they were cheating. None of it was real. I, I dedicated the early part of my life to pitching. I still study the art. I love it. I, I love l- baseball. To not swing and miss at a single off-speed pitch in a game is an impossibility. Oh, I loved when he got shelled. I just absolutely love that. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Dodger hater and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, uh, but the cheating ain't cool. That's That really sucks for him. Really, really sucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll be all right. You know, he dates models. He's got a gazillion dollars. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, his spot in the Hall of Fame, his status in the game. You know, and I'm not crying tears, bitter, uh, salty tears for Clayton Kershaw, because I'm really not that concerned. But um, how about in crime, in the commission of a a normal crime, you often have, uh, what what is it called when you, uh, you compensate the victims? There's a term for that. Well, compensating the victims. 
the, uh, the restitution. That's it. There ought to be restitution. The Astros are fined a few dollars and and and, and slapped on the wrist. They ought to. There ought to be some judge, advocate general, or something who goes through the historical record and figures out Clayton Kershaw deserves X. The, the Dodgers organization deserves X. You know, yeah. on and on. Yeah, cheating. Well, how about how about the owners and investors in the Dodgers who spent ungodly amounts of money to get a World Series champion and didn't because they were cheated. Right. That, that, how about that lack of return on investment? How many, how many more jerseys do you sell, your advertising rates, all that sort of stuff if you win the World Series for the next year? There'd be millions of dollars at stake. Mm. Well, yeah, and all the teams the Astros beat. How about the other teams that would have been in the league championship? Particularly the Dodgers, number one TV market in the country and just, you know, man. There's a lot of money gets stolen. Yeah, I realize not all the current guys on the Astros had any role in this, but I say you just drill them, just drill them over and over again in spring training. So the the the, the lore in baseball grows till you know in the future some uh, some evil bench coach is going to say, "Listen, I think I figured out how to steal the signs." And then what we'll do is bang on our trash can. And the players are like, "No, no, no! I can't take the pain." When does Kershaw face the Astros with some sort of interleague play? He's just going to drill the first three hitters. They'll they'll throw them out of the game. I just run at them with a bat. <laughs> Why do you have a bat? You're the pitcher. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I'm not sure I'm in favor of that. But. <laughs> oh, speaking of belligerence, colorful Hick Theater coming up in a moment or two. There is moonshine involved, my friend. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yep, so stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Don't will be a downer on a Friday, but it's, uh, there's some interesting stuff behind that shooting in Milwaukee. I don't know if you heard about that disgruntled employee thing. That uh, oh, there is kind of speaks to the whole. Um, what could we possibly do about this as a society? But uh, yeah, I've been stay hearing tuned for that. The newsreaders chirp about uh, they have not released a motive. Well, I have a feeling it's an angry guy who wanted to hurt people on his way out. But anyway, uh, this uh, this uh, colorful Hick Theater comes to us. Via a police um, visit. It's 4.30 in the morning. They get a call that this guy is cranking country music and disturbing all the neighbors. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Just as an aside, I'd love to hear from cops. Excessive noise complaints. Are those generally big nothings and it's cool? Is it like a domestic violence thing where you're super cautious about it? Uh, how often do you get them? Well, everyone you've ever been involved with, uh, what's it been like? I know mine have always been. I've never had it at my house, but I've been at a million parties where mm-hmm. that's yeah, happened. And oh, oh, sorry. Fact check. A million. They show up with a smile on their face. And we say, oh, I'll turn it down. Yeah, right? sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's right, no, I haven't been drinking. <laughs> anyway, oh, so uh, it's 4.30. You want a beer? Ha! <laughs> 4.30 in the morning, and the country music is a-cranking. Is that a gun you got on you? Oh, John, you ain't killing you right here, You son of a Hey, do me a favor. We just want you to turn the radio down. That's it. Will you do that? Yes, sir. I'll put a bullet in just, man, man, turn the radio down. You f***ing me. Hey, can you stop this, Michael? 
All right, so we got a description of this. Michael, you didn't mention they were threatening to murder police officers. Dude, do you think that's a, a significant part of this? Um, yeah, I mean, not really, though. As it, as it goes on, you'll see. All right. Okay, there's, there's a punchline. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, jeez, Louise. Right off the oh. bat. I, I set it up like it's big fun. The guy's threatening <laughs> a murder peace officer. Well, yeah. My, you can, don't run me into that, Michael. My first reaction is, how did this guy survive threatening to shoot the police over his music being too loud? Holy cow. Okay, let's hear how it turns out. Uh, I stopped it, so we got to okay. start at the beginning. That's fine. Is that a gun you got on you? I'll draw on you and kill you right in your You son of a Hey, do me a favor. We just want you to turn the radio down. That's it. Will you do that? Yes, sir. I'll put a bullet in Just, man. I don't need a gun. Man, turn the radio down. You get to me because I'm ready to go to heaven. And... You will come with me. Nah, just just go back in the house, okay? Get on the ground. Take it down. Take it down. Get down. Put your hands on your back. I want all your names. Stop. You stop. Protect my cowboy hat. Am I going to jail? <laughs> what do you think? You threatened to shoot police? That is a good example right there, because, like, you know, I, I don't know the situation because I'm not looking at it. That's a great example right there of a policeman who clearly thought, I'm not actually in danger. I can handle this. Right. And didn't just kill I the guy. Think. Yeah, and yeah. didn't just kill the guy. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen the video. Maybe it's pretty obvious. I, I don't know. Um, but he found a way to de-escalate it into a situation where nobody got shot, thank God. Mm, until Mr. Zappity came out and... Protect my cowboy hat. Dude, you got drunk, you're playing your music loud, and you threatened to shoot the police. Yeah. Protect my cowboy hat. Oof. That is uh, That was not good. So is there a video? Did he have a gun on him? No. Yeah, I think he had one in his waistband from the description oh, I read. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, listen, it's no joke. My favorite line was, I'll put a bullet in you. I don't need a gun. What, you, what like, is a suppository or what? Oh, that reminds me. I'm sorry. Doctors are warning you not to insert frozen potatoes in your your bottom. Stay tuned for the details. There aren't many details. Really, that's all you need to know. Don't put a frozen potato up you. Okay. I'll stay tuned for the details. Yeah. Well, the motivation is... is... I hope my potato doesn't thaw out while I'm waiting. (laughs) We all hope that. So, wow, that's it. Where did that happen? It's going to take a year to, Florida. Bake, to bake it at 98.6, but what? It happened in Florida. All weird stuff happens in Florida. No yeah, doubt. That's a good, good observation there. Um, I'm disconcerted. We need, uh, we need transition music. Okay, I'm ready. Um, coming up after our break uh, here in a little bit, I got some more uh, Bernie Sanders from that Political Magazine article. We linked that yesterday, didn't we, I believe, at armstrongandgetty.com. It's worth a read. It's pretty interesting, and I'll hit you with a couple of highlights on the way. I have a feeling if he gets the nomination, there's going to be a lot of digging into a period of his life from about the mid-60s till 1981 where it's pretty difficult to figure out how he was supporting himself. And uh, how are you even living, dude? Right. I mean, and that's that's all that's that's all of his 30s. 
There's just no means of support there. A guy who never had a job, a full-time job, till he was 39 and got elected mayor of a little town. And then got a paycheck, which was a pretty decent paycheck. Adjusted for inflation, it was $110,000. So that's... When you had made zero money in your life, that's a pretty good paycheck. But I got more on that coming out. It's pretty interesting about the life of uh, the young Bernie Sanders. Young. He was 40 when he finally got elected. So stay tuned for that. Also... Very important this week in sports history that we'll get to all on the way. Okay, excellent. Here's what you need to do. Peel a raw potato and cut it into thin slices like you do for french fries. Put the slices in the freezer and wait until they're frozen. I'm making hash browns, I guess? Or? Insert the frozen potato slice in your anus. Well, what? I'm not doing that. Apparently, li- I'm not making hash browns. Don't question me. <laughs> and leave it inside for 30 seconds. Repeat the process for three to five days. And I will have a brighter smile. Or Coronavirus, remedy? <laughs> no, it's it's online, uh, online help, a remedy, if you will, for hemorrhoid sufferers. Oh. And apparently, this has swept the globe and has become very, very popular. But uh, doctors are warning you, do not do that. This will clear up your complexion. Um, no. A number of benefits it, from it being. It won't do squat, so to speak, for your complexion. <laughs> uh, but doctors are telling you this is not actually great advice. That's uh, the, we'll, we'll tell you why. That's the up. unintentional joke of the day. It won't do squat, so to speak. Uh, Bernie's early life on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before I get to Bernie Sanders' lost years, which I believe people are going to drill down on as he ends up being the nominee. His found years ain't so great in my opinion. But um, We do have this special anniversary of a major sports moment. It was eight years ago this week. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! What is, is that? that bowling trash talk? The bowl is so uh, <laughs> Pete Weber, the most famous bowler of all time, and this was like at the end of his career. He hits a strike to win whatever eight years ago. I think it was a perfect game. Um, was, was oh right, right, yeah, right, yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he goes with that epic blast that got caught on Mike. And I remember at the time it was a huge yeah. thing. But anyway, it was bouncing around the internet this week for the anniversary. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> what? Who do you think you are? Is he the son of the great Dick Weber? I think he's like, part of the Weber dynasty. I, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought, what a funny. And just, I mean, he's so fired up. Yeah! No! Who do you think you are? I am! <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> I'm, con- I'm not sure I understood your taunt. I'm confused in your enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for you, but. Uh, Man, back, uh, growing up in the Midwest, bowling. Oh, I loved it. It was so big. There's. <laughs> Bowling, bowling leagues, hanging out at the alley. Great stuff. So, reading the Political Magazine article about Bernie Sanders, which we have linked at armstrongandgetty.com, it's worth a read. It came out in 2015, and the reason they wrote it was, wow, Bernie Sanders is, you know, challenging Hillary 
And little is known about his life. So the political magazine and this reporter thought, let's go to Vermont and, and interview some people. And what they found out, and really the, 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 the uh, point of the story is, very little is known about Bernie Sanders' early life, and that's on purpose. He doesn't want anybody to know. He, and and I'm, I'm not trying to um, um, hint that there's something secret there. He doesn't believe your personal life has got anything to do with it. He's policy, policy, policy. Right. His friends and family believe it's policy, policy, policy. And he has convinced Vermonters that it's policy, policy, policy. Somebody's personal life, she, why are you even asking that question? It's silly. Do you agree taxes should be this or not? Do you believe that corporations should be able to do this or not? It's a pretty compelling argument. I'm with him. Right. I'm with him on that. Unless right. you, you know, you... Well, his answers to all those questions are horrific, but his approach, I think, is the right one. Yeah, I actually agree with that theory. Well, that's why a lot of people voted for Trump. And uh, so this reporter, and I, I don't have the name in front of me, but anyway, he got to Vermont back in 2015 and uh, and said, I, I've got some questions. I've got some questions about uh, Bernie's first marriage, and he's talking to one of Bernie's best friends from way back in the day, who's known Bernie Sanders forever, and the guy says, it's none of your effing business. He said it with a smile on his face, but he was clearly not kidding, said the yeah. reporter. It's yeah. none of your effing business. Yeah. And you know what? It really isn't. I mean, unless there's... Beatings. Yeah, it's something like that. Violence. But, but yeah. if there's no... Just... He got a divorce and whatever. Who cares? But anyway, yeah. so... Well, and if his wife at the time is still alive and wants to talk about it, she certainly can. But I get the friend's point of view. Somebody came and asked me that about you, for instance. Tell him it's none of your effing business. Right. And so um, so he was married for a couple of years in the mid-60s when he was young, and then he gets divorced, and then he has a kid with another woman. And, like, nothing is known about that. He doesn't ever talk about her or very little is information. the kid around? The, the kid is around. Hmm. They, uh, the interviewer finally tracked down the kid and the uh, – he either talked to the girlfriend or the ex-wife. It doesn't really matter which. But when he got him on the phone, the only thing they would say, I've got nothing to say to, about – uh, Bernie Sanders and our time together. The only thing I want to say is corporations are ruining this country, and the average, and so they all true they, believers. Yeah, all they wanted to talk about was right. Bernie's policies, which right. I think they is probably met on the commune. Yeah, you know, spouting Marxist theory at each other, then the sparks flew. We know yeah. how that goes. So again, I'm not in, insinuating there's anything to his private life that is necessarily interesting. I God, think that's that's wild. That just brought back memories. Memories of, of, well, I probably shouldn't even talk about this as a happily married man, but uh, studying with a young woman back in my school days, there's something about the closeness of it, the, the length of it, the talking, the pointing to things in each other's textbooks. It leads to good places. <laughs> wow, that's fine. I hadn't thought of that in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think he did meet his first wife in the library. Uh, but Let's anyway. discuss Lennon! Wouldn't you like to kiss me? After we discuss Lennon! <laughs> Bernard Sanders. <laughs> so, would you like to come back to my house and make a worker's paradise? <laughs> um, uh, I think, unfortunately, for Bernie and for America, really, I think his private life is going to be dug into if he ends up the nominee, whether he likes it or not. Every aspect of every relationship he's ever had, there's going to be five reporters outside his ex-wife's apartment wherever that is, and uh, it's just the way it is. Probably so. To me, it reminds me of during the whole uh, birther thing with Obama. I said a hundred times during the campaign, he's not a Muslim, he's a socialist, keep your eye on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And with Bernie, you know, unless there's something horrific, I don't care about his early 
stupidities. But I am kind of interested in this. How the hell did he support himself from roughly 65 to 1981 when he became became mayor mayor there in Burlington and got his first steady paycheck, which, of course, was taxpayer money? Right. Well, how did he support himself during that time? He had odd jobs, and we talked about that a little yesterday. He was a carpenter for a while, but even one of his best friends said he was a crappy carpenter. He couldn't make a living at that. Um, But I'll read a little from the Political Magazine um, article on that. Uh, Him and this group of people that they hung out with, some held jobs that allowed free time for campaign activities, while others lived off unemployment insurance. Sanders, according to an article in 1974 in the Bennington Banner, was one of them. He was on unemployment for a few months in 1971, records show. That's the only thing they could dig up. And subsequent Liberty Union campaigns, that's the party he was a member of that never got like more than a half percent in any election they ever ran in. Um, in, in some of the campaigns, he advocated for, quote, the doing away with all time limitations for unemployment benefits. Wow. We could, well, as a bum, I could see where he would be in favor right. of that. So, you know, you want to know how much of a socialist he is or what democratic socialism versus regular socialism. He believes in unlimited unemployment benefits for people who just kind of float around and get involved in weird political parties that aren't making a dent in anything. Well, now, that's prior to him being elected mayor, correct? Right. But so he, as a guy who's never had a full-time job, he was advocating for unlimited unemployment He benefits. was very active in politics. I mean, he yeah. was doing that. That doesn't make you any money. But he was constantly involved in campaigns and campaigning okay. and going door-to-door knocking on doors. Okay. But he, he believed... That he should be able to get never-ending unemployment benefits for that. He's almost the same age as my dad, so I was thinking. So Bernie Sanders think my dad was got up at four thirty every morning, like his whole life. Went to work all day long, got home late at night. I remember when he worked six days a week. I couldn't wait till he got home on Saturday afternoon so we could hang out. Mm-hmm. He should go to work and do that at the same time. Bernie's just kind of hanging out making weird political proclamations for some right. nobody party, and my dad's money should go to pay for that? Right. That's an interesting argument. Some of you might believe that. I don't. Bernie's uh, very busy. He's working hard writing tracts in praise of Chairman Mao. And yes, your dad should have shaved. He should have paid his fair share and the, and so the, that Bernie could have the universal human right of, of food, clothing, shelter, and medicine. And in the socialist mind, they think like people like my dad just chose to work six days a week, long correct. hours. Yeah, and, and if you took 15% of his paycheck or 30 or 70, he would continue to do the same thing. And then some people are cut out for bumming around and, and, and thinking, reading, uh, checking out books from the library about Marx and reading them and discussing them with people. Right. And they should get money from the other people because we've each chosen our paths. Exactly. Uh, that's so yes. crazy. Fairness. It's fairness. That's so crazy. Yeah, it is. It that is. you actually believe it. It's but anyway, insane. a little more on his life. I think, I, I think there'll be a lot more digging into how much for how long unemployment did he get? Over this, like, 15 years where there's no way to figure out, how are you eating, dude? How are you paying, making your house payment? How are you putting gas in your car? That money was coming from somewhere, and there's no, like, real record of where that was coming from. Uh, A point of order, Mr. Chairman? Could it have been coming from the Soviet Union? Who were supporting like-minded agitators all over the globe at that point? I don't know, but that's I mean, good. materially supporting people who did what he was doing. I have a feeling that the first serious look at figuring that out is going to happen if he's the nominee. Well, uh, and here's here's the unfortunate part: whether he did get that support or not, Vlad Putin will claim he did. 
<laughs> he will claim they have discovered documents within the uh, Soviet archives, blah, 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 and it'll be impossible to know if it's true or not. Anyway, I want to get back to some more of this, uh, the particulars, because they're kind of interested. He decided he needed to make a better, more stable living at about age 40, <laughs> but didn't want to give up a platform from which he could preach. He started a business uh, uh, out of 295 and a half Maple, where he lived there in Burlington, making low-budget films about people placing in, in events in Vermont and New England history that he felt were getting short shrift in the region's schools. So he started making film strips, basically, like you saw in school uh, back in the day, and he made those. To properly harvest sap for syrup, penetrate the bark of the tree. No, it wasn't about that. Oh. American People's Historical Society called it a newly formed nonprofit organization producing audiovisuals um, from a, an alternative point of view. He wrote in a pamphlet that he distributed. His biggest project was a 30-minute color documentary videotape about Eugene Debs, the socialist candidate for president in the early 1900s. Ah. Ran for president a couple of, Actually got 5% of the nation's vote in 1920? 12? I don't remember. Roughly that era. Anyway, uh, so Bernie made a 30-minute film strip about Eugene Debs the Socialist. Mm. That was his job. And he tried to shop it around to schools, and he would drive around in his old beat-up van, go around to schools and try to get them to pay $200 for it or rent it for $35. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's a hustle. He didn't make much money at that either. Um, It just wasn't a way to make good money. So that's when he... Uh, he thought that kids should know the truth about how things really were and about socialism, and that's why he was so interested in it. But uh, that was in 1980 when somebody said, hey, you should try running for mayor. I think he would catch on and blah, blah, blah. It kind of took off. Um, mm. He got elected mayor by 10 votes, got his first steady paycheck of his life, and then he was off and running. And was that when he moved out of the cabin with the dirt floor? or was He'd already the... moved into town Oh, okay. when he started that film strip business. Right. Okay. But he had no real way of making a living up to age 40. Well, activists, Bernard Sanders. You're a loser. Activists like that, that's pretty good, Michael. Activists like that have patrons. I'm just curious who his patrons were. Right, and that's they fine. They could well be unsavory. Well, or they could, could be fine. It could be fine. It's just they're socialists, and I don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. But if people were supporting him to go out and give speeches and stuff like that, that's legit. Yeah. Pictures of him at the time, straight out of central casting. He had the big black-rimmed glasses. He had the long sideburns. He had the shaggy wild hair. He had the serious look of the radical. I mean, he's straight out of some, you know, 60s drama. I think Actually, he's straight out like the, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, but we'll get, if he's the nominee, and I think he's going to be, you're going to hear a lot more about that period of his life. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be digging that up, and it's going to be fun to follow. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. That's right. What do you What do you think you are? Who, who do you th- Who do you That's think right. You are. Who do you think you are? I am. So is that a, So this is like hitting the game, winning home run, or whatever. And then in your moment of excitement, you yell that. Was that a misspeak? Did he have something else to say, and he said it wrong? Or who do you think does that you make are? Sense I to am. Him? <laughs> yeah. Who do you think you are? What, what? I was just going to ask him to play it again. I want to try to do that voice. Can you, can you play it? That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. Who do you think you are? I am. 
I am. 135. Who do you think you are? 135 pounds of bowling fury right there. <laughs> I feel there was at least three different things he in his mind that he wanted to say, yeah. and the wrong third of each of them came out into that one sentence. Right. Yeah, well, you're looking for a mouthful of polyester or something. Or, I don't know, to knock your shiny buttons on it. How we There's got here. There. Slippery shoes or something, something, something. How we got here and what it means to you, the coronavirus from the Wall Street Journal today. I guess they decided that, hey, people are kind of at the point where they need a little catch up on this. Oh, hey, I've got some great data that I hadn't come across before on the coronavirus. In the nearly two months since the coronavirus was identified, this has been around with us for two months. In some ways, it seems like it's been going on for years. Some ways not. It has spread to every continent on Earth except for Antarctica so Mm. far. There have been more than 82,000 cases in 45 countries with at least 2,800 deaths. Now, the vast majority, like almost all of those are in China, everything, um, so far. But the fact that any virus is able to spread to 45 countries in two months is really amazing. It uh, really illustrates the interconnectedness of the Earth at this point. I mean, humankind the... is just can be anywhere at any time or somewhere else the next day. It's it's incredible. I know there are a number of great books about the um, the the flu of 1918 that wiped out more people than World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know how long it took for that one to get going because people didn't travel like that. I mean, you didn't right. you didn't go to a conference in Singapore, which is being seen as the big spreader of this thing. There was one big business conference in Singapore where a whole bunch of people there from different countries, and they all went back home and took the coronavirus with them. That's wow. What, that's what spread it. Wow, interesting. Um, but that didn't, mm. that didn't happen in 1918. Nope. Certainly, you know. You'd have to have a ship full of coffin people pull into the dock, you know, cough on the longshoremen or whatever, and it goes from there. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know the timetable. I don't know that much about that. And even then, when the ship got to the dock, they're probably not all going to head off to Milwaukee and Dallas and... San Francisco. It'd take them many days if yeah. they chose to, yeah. yeah. So, listen, I found this very interesting and somewhat reassuring. This is from uh, Slate.com. And, I, gosh, I hate to view everything through the lens of politics, but uh, Slate is is uh, a left-leaning site, and the strategy is absolutely clear on the left to pin the coronavirus on President Trump and uh, and blame him for anything that goes wrong and paint him as a jackass. That is, I mean, it's obvi- It's like everybody sent out a memo last night and everybody got it and is enacting it this morning, if you follow the media. But having said that, uh, this is an article in Slate that says uh, the, the fact that that person in Northern California uh, appears to have caught it just from somebody in the community who did not have an obvious connection to China or Singapore or what have you is actually kind of good news. And here's what they point wow, out. That's surprising to me. Yeah. Um, I thought that was the worst news. That's what I was know. presented to me originally. I know. This is the first time somebody's caught it not with a direct connection for China. Oh, my God, we're all at risk. Yes, let me explain. In China, the death rate has been reported as zero in children 10 and under. Which is awesome. It is, yeah. And very low, about 0.2% in healthy adults, which is similar to the flu. Depends on the year. Unfortunately, the rate is far higher, as high as 15%. It's actually 148 if you want to get technical, in the sick and elderly. 
Though it's always the case in outbreaks like this, it is hard to know how many of these older and often chronically ill hospitalized patients died with COVID-19, not of COVID-19. It's difficult to say. Oh, right. Especially especially with old people. The reported overall death rate of 2% is essentially a weighted average of these numbers. Um, So what does the case of a young and otherwise healthy patient contracting the disease, despite no obvious exposure to a contagious source patient, imply? That there are likely many asymptomatic cases in our communities already. Asymptomatic transmission has already been reported in China. uh, And this person never became sick. And if this turns out to be common, it's a good thing. It implies that the case fatality rate, the number of deaths divided by the number of infections of this novel coronavirus, is likely to be far, far lower than the reported statistics, because there are all sorts of people with it who are walking around just sniffling like they have allergies, and they will be perfectly fine. Oh, darn, so, another cold, but you got coronavirus. Right, exactly. Now, we don't know this with certainty, but a combination of the fact that the testing has not come within a hundred thousand miles of being adequate and China lies about everything. It's just, it's difficult to know how serious this thing is. Uh, I'll tell you this. If I had substantial cash on the sidelines, I would plow every dime of it into the stock market right now. That's what I'm doing today. Every I'm actually, dime. I'm actually dropping by my guy today with a check for the money I held out, stupidly trying to time the market last year. Right. Well, because this will come and it will go. Oh, sure. Now, when it goes, I'm not 100% Whoever you certain. think you are, I am! That's a good, good, good point. And words to live by. <laughs> Hard to argue with. <laughs> 